Hello, everyone. This is Karen Aslan. I am the founder and CEO of Introduction Capital. Welcome to IntroCap Interviews, which is a recorded series of timely, in-depth interviews, primarily with key experts in the Canadian alternative investment industry, but also with compelling individuals across other disciplines. My intention for this series is to reward listeners with distinctive insights, wisdom, and authentic stories from some of today's most thoughtful leaders. Today's interview is with Janine Lee Chong, who is the Executive Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Waratah Capital Advisors. Janine joined Waratah in 2018 after a successful 22-year career with Canadian wealth manager Glaskin Chef, where she was responsible for managing $2.6 billion in assets and was a member of both its management and asset mix committees. Hi, Janine. Good morning. Good morning, Karen. How are you doing? I'm good today. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I really am happy to have you here, given that there are so few women in the portfolio management space, particularly that manage their own funds. I really was happy to have you here because of your story and thought that our listeners would really like to hear from you. So, If you could start by telling us a little bit about your background, your education, and how that led you to your current career. Sure. It's a little bit of a roundabout way. Uh, I, like many high school graduates, didn't know what I wanted to study. Uh, So actually, it was my father that suggested I go and study to become a chartered accountant. So I went to Waterloo. I did both a bachelor's and a master's degree, wrote my what used to be called the UFI, I think it's called CFI now, my chartered accountant exams, uh, an article that Deloitte's. Uh, he always felt it was a good background and a good springboard, and I didn't have to practice as an accountant. Uh, so I, uh, after Deloitte's, I entered a management training program at Canadian Pacific, and it was a great opportunity because it rotated amongst different departments tax and internal and all sorts of things and one of the departments was their pension investments because they internally manage their pension and that really caught my eye Uh, and it was the department that I enjoyed the most and they did fixed incomes and they did real estate and they did uh, stocks and equities really I felt drawn to equities so I decided to pursue that as a career Um, CP decided to move their head office to Calgary. Um, So I decided to stay in Toronto and look for an opportunity there. So I um, sent a whole bunch of resumes, didn't know anybody in the business. And lo and behold, Gluskin Chef called me in for an interview and offered me a job on the spot, basically. So um, I started there not knowing anything about the industry and spent 22 years in the business uh, with Gluskin. And now I'm almost four years at Warta. So that's how I started the business. Okay, great. Thank you. And when I was doing some research about you, I read that in 2006, you actually became a fund manager at Gluskin Chef, but it happened literally overnight. So I wanted you to tell us that story. Well, I had been working at Gluskin uh, for a while and I worked with Ira Gluskin. I was his analyst there. And in 2006, I guess uh, he called me into a room and he said, okay, I'm managing so many different models. Uh, I, you know, it's just too much. So I'm going to give you this model. I'm going to give you this portfolio and you're going to manage it. And it really caught me by surprise. <laughs> and so I said, well, can I think about it overnight? I really 
was unsure whether I was ready or not to take it. Um, and he said, sure, but we actually never had a conversation about it. It just was assumed that I was going to take it over. So that's what the overnight comes in. But it's not overnight in the sense that I took it without having the experience. I did have the experience. I guess he had probably had more confidence in me than I had in myself at that point in time. Uh, yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, that's sort of how I started managing the portfolio. It's sort of thrown into the, the whole bathtub and, and figuring it out. But I had a great, um, you know, time as an analyst and good grounding by working for him on the uh, on the portfolios. Right. Well, clearly he did have confidence in you. And sometimes, you know, when these opportunities come up, we just have to go with them and trust that uh, we actually can do the job when sometimes we might not think that we can. But that was a lot of responsibility. I mean, there's a lot of fiduciary responsibility managing assets for investors. So um, good for you. I, I love that story. And if you were to talk about working alongside Ira, what were some of the things that you learned from him? I mean, he is a big name in our industry. Um what were some of the things that you learned from him that you may still apply today? Um, I think one of the unique things about Ira is he's an out-of-the-box thinker. He's a free thinker. Um, He's not a consensus thinker, which is very unusual. Um, And uh, he's got a fabulous interviewing skill set when we have management teams and he really knows how to ask the right questions uh, and uh, questions that people don't think about. So, it's really the unique way he approaches and uh, how to look at a stock and what the drivers would be. Um, and, you know, part of it is learned. You can watch him, but part of it is just, you know, his talent, right? <laughs> which is probably unmatched. Uh, but I did learn a lot by observing uh, how he invested. Right. Okay. And of course, developed your own investing style as a result. And, um, and then you made a decision to leave the firm after, 22 years. Can you talk about that experience in your career evolution and uh, why you made that decision? Sure. Um, You know, it was a great time. I had a great learning experience. I loved working at Glaskin Chef and it came up to an opportunity. Brad Dunkley, who used to work at Glaskin Chef, I worked with him for 12 years, started up his own firm, and he asked me to join him. Uh, And so it was a difficult decision. I thought about it for a long time. One of the things that attracted me to joining Waratah was it was very similar to when I started at Gluskin in terms of the size, the number of people, the entrepreneurial spirit. And that certainly attracted me um, after uh, having been in the business for 22 years. It's a little scary in the sense that you feel that you're starting again. But I felt that if I didn't take that opportunity to join Brad and help him grow the business, I would always regret it for the rest of my life. So it's sort of a thing that I decided to go ahead and jump in and do as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, what choice have you got when you think that you might regret it for the rest of your life? <laughs> you just yeah. have to do it. Well, you're certainly with one of the top investment firms in the country. Uh, I just you know, think the world of Waratah and uh, continue to hear such good things about their growth. And um, you being on the team is obviously uh, a wonderful thing. Uh, And I guess you've been there almost four years and you manage the Waratah Equity Income Fund. Can you describe the investment strategy? 
Sure. The Wartai income is an equity portfolio. It's a long bias portfolio. And if I had to sum up, you know, potential investors that are coming in, it is a portfolio that wants to participate in the equity upside of the markets. You know, there's a bias for the equity markets to go up, I think, over the longer term. But obviously, there's times of volatility where we've seen downdrafts. Uh, and we've seen it. <laughs> it was COVID, end of 2018. I was managing money in the great financial crisis to go back. So that was quite another experience to go through. And the whole point is to minimize those down draws because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is preserve capital and grow that capital in the most prudent way. Uh, So that's the essence of what we're trying to do. The way we do it is we have a long bias uh, portfolio that manages equities in North America, primarily Canada, because I've spent most of my career uh, managing Canadian equities. I'm very familiar with it. Um, And we have an approach at looking at cash flows uh, and looking at downside risk. Um, So that's, you know, we're trying to grow capital for our clients in a prudent way by minimizing drawdowns, if I have to say the, the mandate of the fund. Okay. And the fund can manage risk through options and has the ability to go short. Can you tell us more about uh, risk management? So I put that in the bucket of portfolio construction. So there's always stock picking, which is one part of it. And, you know, our approach on stock picking is very fundamental. We bottoms up very fundamental. Maybe it's the accountant and me coming up. Mm-hmm. And looking at where uh, we think the company can grow their cash flows uh, and what the value could be in the future, what kind of dividends we could get in the future, although that's not the driver of our, of our thesis, but it's a part of it. The way options and shorting comes is, is really on the portfolio constructions. We don't short companies on the basis that we think uh, it's, a, it's, a, and it's an alpha short. Uh, we think it's a fraud or anything. We do it in terms of managing the risk in the portfolio. For example, if we have an overweight in a certain sector, we may take a company that we think might be overvalued or perform uh, not as good as our longs and have a short position just to manage the exposure in, in the portfolio. And through options, you know, we've used covered calls and options, options on the total index uh, just to manage what we could see um, potential short-term volatility in the portfolio and to minimize the downdraws. Right. Okay, good. And although the mandate for the fund is North American, and you do have a strong focus on Canadian equities where you have a clear expertise, are there any specific industries in Canada that you have your eye on right now or where you can describe an opportunity? Sure. So, I always think Canada gets a little bit of a bad rap in the whole global setting. It's a very small part of the market. I understand it's not as big, but there's certain qualities to Canada, which I find really attractive. One, it's a smaller market, so it attracts less competition. And by nature, I would say it's a little bit monopolistic, oligopolistic kind of a market in the sense that how many big banks do we have? How many big real estate companies have? How many uh, drug stores do we have? It's very concentrated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that. I like the fact that, you know, you have less competition. Margins are generally higher in Canada. Uh, I remember talking to a client uh, before, and he had a business both in the U.S. and Canada, and he told me structurally Canada just has better margins, less competition. So I like that part of it. In terms of opportunities right now, um, 
one thing I think has been out of favor for a while in the market is value. And Canada, I would say, has more value bias than the U.S., which I'll use the U.S. because it's the closest neighbor and probably the market that people pay a lot of attention to. And we lack, as you know, the concentration of technology stocks and other stocks where, you know, there's momentum and they tend to trade at expensive multiples. And I think Canada, in some sense, is being ignored, that we have great companies that trade uh, at more value kind of spectrum uh, for unique opportunities. Um, in terms of industries, it's all over the place, I would say. Uh, more, we're, we're kind of a stock picker, so I would say it, it depends on the story and what we think uh, could be the potential um, one of the things I would note, too, is, you know, there's been a lot of debate at the moment in terms of inflation, transitory, whether it's permanent. And if you can pick a company right now or invest in a company that has pricing power, that's able to actually um, overcome sort of cost inflation with pricing, which I think is Canada in general, <laughs> uh, because of the structure, I, I, I think that's, that's an attractive place to put your money right now. Right. Okay. And you said that getting out of the office and visiting management teams is very important. Have you been able to meet with management teams via Zoom through the pandemic? And if so, is there something missing not having that ability to have a face-to-face meeting like you have in the past? Right. So, one of the things I would say is Zoom and all the other technologies has been unbelievable in being able to pivot the business to a virtual world. So very grateful for that. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was incredible in terms of the, the conversations and the companies being able to reach out to the shareholder base and to analysts through Zoom to update on the, you can imagine what the ever-changing uh, situation was. If you remember, nobody really knew what was going on mm-hmm. and, and things were being under lockdown. So I think Zoom has facilitated the frequency, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, of our ability to communicate with management. And that's continued. You've also noticed uh, a high degree or high, like the IPO activity has been exploded, I would say, in the last couple of years. And if we didn't have Zoom, it would be very difficult for brokers and for shareholders, for example, to actually meet with them. And I think Zoom has facilitated that as well. For management teams that I talk to, it's been easier on them because of travel restrictions. So they're not restricted by, you know, I would say, local uh, shareholders. They can book anywhere, basically, in the world as long as you've got an internet connection. So I think that's all been positive to you know, continuing to work in this environment. Having said that, we all miss face-to-face. Like, think about, you can't even go to our, you know, until recently, you can go to a restaurant to have dinner with your friends. Yes. So um, there is an element of uh, meeting people, the chit-chat, even conferences, the coffee, and talking to people and getting some ideas from other buy-side people as well. Uh, that's lacking and we'll come back. We'll come back eventually. Yeah. And I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised. It's going to be in hybrid. Um, and in particular, I would say some of these IPOs that we participated, I really look forward to actually meeting the management teams in person because, you know, part of the thing of um, part of investing into an IPO is 
management's. Uh, you're investing in management's and their ability to allocate capital. Yeah. And so to meet them in person, I think will add another layer of comfort or to just get to know them better and what they think about the world and what they think about the businesses uh, in person. It, it can't be replicated, I would say. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You've worked with your fellow portfolio manager, Adrian Wong, for 15 years, and he co-manages the fund with you. So what about Adrian works so well with you? Yeah, it's a, it's unique. I consider myself lucky to be uh, part of a team that's had so much continuity. So the mm-hmm. background is Adrian was actually a co-op student way back when at Gluskin Chef. Uh, he left after his co-op terms and worked in mezzanine financing. Uh, and then we were growing so fast, we were looking for analysts. Uh, so he decided to, to join us, luckily, for, for me and for everybody. Um, and so he came to Gluskin with really no experience in managing money. Um, so he was my analyst and he's worked with me for 15 years. And now we're at the point where we can probably finish each other's sentences. <laughs> and he knows how we think. We have... I would say both complementary and, um, you know, very similar mindset in terms of investing, which is really good, and complementary mm-hmm. skills, I would say, um, mm-hmm. and complementary interests. Um, so, and what I think gives comfort to our clients and people who invest in the fund is that it's been a consistent team. So when you look at historical numbers, there hasn't been a change in terms of, you know, people managing it's the same per group of people same team same approach uh discipline despite the fact that we've had so many ups and downs on the market so uh consider ourselves lucky it's a great team wonderful and janine how would you describe the way you communicate with investors in your fund so um, we do have a team uh, here at Warata that is primary responsibility is to have contact with all of our clients' investors in the fund. However, we're a small fund. <laughs> in the set, We're a small shop, I would say. And so what I've always said to clients, if you ever have a question about anything in the fund or you want to just talk about the market, I'm just a phone call or email away. And, you know, my mantra is it's your money you're entitled to ask any question you want to so uh very often i join our marketing team in these client meetings and they're you know i'll often ask what's on your mind what would you like to talk to me we just want me to talk about the market uh and we have this conversation um so i'm accessible i've always said to clients i'm accessible if you have any questions please feel free I think it's so important, and uh, that's great to hear. Warata is, like I said earlier, one of the top alternative investment firms in Canada, and you are on the executive committee. I wanted to ask you what you think are the most important drivers that make an investment firm successful. You know, uh, Karen, there's, you know, you look at it, there's the U.S. market, the Canadian market. It's the same market. we're all investing in the same way we can have different slices we could have a growth bias we could be quantitative we can be fundamental you can have different approaches but it's the same market so whether you're in building a or building b or at home you're investing in the same market so i think um the unique part is it's a people business it's relationships so you have to feel good about the team that you've joined 
uh, and have a, you know, you, we can all have different mandates, but if you're all working towards the same goal and you, you enjoy working with the people, you have a great team, you trust the people. I think that is the success to an investment firm. It really is team. I, um, I think there's going to be several women in the investing community listening to this podcast. And for those women who are building their careers and who are existing PMs or are you know, aspiring to be a portfolio manager, what would you say to them in terms of um, what's important, um, what they should be thinking about, and all derived from what you've learned? Well, I think the first premise, which is probably a given, is, you know, yeah, obviously I have to work hard. And I've had the fortunate experience of meeting a lot of co-op students that have worked in the firms that I worked at. And they're extremely bright, uh, beyond competent, way more competent than I was graduating. So uh, it, it, you know, stuns me sometimes how I ever got hired into the business, given the level and quality of the people that are coming in. Uh, for women, I would say um, you have to have perseverance, I would say, because it can be lonely. It's getting better. There's more women that are coming in, but certainly when I was coming in, there were not that many women. So have perseverance and have confidence in yourself because um, you do have the skill set and the ability to do it. Uh, and the last little bit I would say is uh, not to use an overused term, but it is really important is don't be afraid to network. You really have to network uh, and build relationships um, in order to help you in your career. And don't be afraid to ask for help um, because there are people in the business that are always willing to help. Like I think about all the people who helped me in my career and I feel that I almost owe it to the next generation to help them because I'm so grateful for all the help that I received on the way because like, you can't make it on your own. Um, you, you can't. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are in my situation are more than happy to help the next generation come up the ladder. Mm -hmm. And are you available for mentoring at all? Do you do mentoring currently? I do. I'm actually involved with some things with the University of Waterloo, uh, helping the students in the CFA challenge. Um, and, you know, often I'll get a phone call or somebody who sends me an email and asks me for advice and I'm happy to, to, to give some advice and my time to them. That's wonderful. And what kinds of things are you interested in doing in your spare time? Spare time. This is a full-time job between <laughs> this and the family. It's hard to find time. Although one of the things I've been doing is I sit on the board of the Toronto Symphony Foundation um, and I will be joining the uh, Waterloo Advisory Board but the symphony is, I mean, it's a fantastic organization. I think it's really important to support the arts. Mm -hmm. um, and they've gone actually through, I mean, everyone's gone through a difficult period. But if you think about the hospitality and the arts, they've been particularly hit hard by the pandemic. Um, and we're grateful for the support that the government and everyone has pulled us through. Um, so that's what I do in my spare time. Um, not a lot of traveling these days, Karen. No, no. <laughs> that's the other thing I like doing, but we've sort of been kept tight under this, uh, pandemic. So hopefully that will pick up again once borders open and things are a little bit freer. Yeah. I noticed that you, um, 
you're a trustee of the Toronto Symphony, like you said, and you were a PATH board member of the Royal Conservatory of Music. And so I did have a question here prepared saying, would it be safe to say that you have a passion for music? And uh, when we chatted yesterday, you had mentioned that you um, you really do and had uh, played, I think it was the piano. I did play the piano. So I played the, I studied the piano for about 11 years from grade school to high school. Um, and it was a, it was all my siblings studied it. My brother played the violin. My sisters played piano as well. Um, so it sort of surrounded uh, me. And I'm actually alum, alumni of the conservatory. Oh. I I have a ARCT from piano performance from conservatory many, many years ago. Don't ask me to play anymore. I can't play. But it was a big part of uh, my spare time. And so because I can't play anymore, Karen, and you wouldn't want to hear me perform, this is my way of getting involved still in music without having to perform. Right. Uh, and, and giving back in a skill set that they, they, they need, actually, and they, and they appreciate, uh, which is the investment of, you know, overseeing sort of the investment of the endowment funds. Yeah, right. Well, I'm sure you still can play the piano relatively well, but, you know, spending so much time managing a portfolio definitely takes uh, takes away from some of these hobbies. Uh, if you were to think about the future before we go here, and it could be relative to investing or just some new insight that you've gleaned over this pandemic period of time, what is it that you would say that you've learned or that you've gained insight around? Keeping in mind our listeners, our investment professionals, investors, many of who know you. Right. You know, uh, you sort of, like, when you're asking that question, I was thinking about it, and it takes me back, this is going to sound a bit odd, but it takes me back a little bit to my university days. And, you know, when you're faced with a difficult question, uh, and, I, you know, I remember a tax question, I had no idea how to start it. And one of the things that resonated at the time that professor told me is, always go back to basic principles, go back to first principles and start with that and then build to try and solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And so as we've gone through this pandemic, I found that a lot of people and even myself have gone back to first principles. And what do I mean by that? I mean, really figuring out what's important to you just because we've been so restricted in our, you know, what we can do, and, you know, we've had reflections on what this means if we were faced with this, what's really important in life. And it kind of yeah. goes back to first principles, like first principles of the problems you're trying to solve, first principles of what's important to you. Uh, it, even investing, like there's times where, you know, you have a hypothesis on a stock and something goes terribly wrong or the stock's, you know, not acting as you want to. I always try to take a deep breath and go back to my first principles. What was the reason why I invested in the stock? Does it still yes. true today? Has anything changed? And so mm-hmm. it's a, it's something that I always go back to. And I think about that professor who said it to me in my tax class when I didn't know how to solve that tax problem. Yeah. I mean, it's a good reminder to regroup and to um, get clarity again back at the beginning. Uh, so Well, that was great. I'm glad you shared that with us. Thank you. And again, I just want to tell you that I'm really pleased to have you here. I look forward to uh, seeing who's listening. We always can track uh, lots of our listeners, and I'll be happy to share that information with you. And 
I look forward to seeing you again soon and wish you all the best of luck going forward. Uh, And thanks. Thank you, Karen, for having me and looking forward to seeing you again in person. Me too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. In closing, I would like to invite you to get in touch with any comments, suggestions, or questions you have about our interview series. For those of you planning ahead, Introduction Capital is very pleased to let you know that we will be holding the 10th Canadian Alternative Investment Forum next year on April 28th. For anyone that would like to learn more about speaking opportunities or sponsorship opportunities, please get in touch with myself or Tori Brown. Thanks very much, everyone. Have a great day. Bye for now.